the main event, episode three. Yo, let's get it. What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? It is Friday. Back by Papa the Man, and when I mean Papa the Man, ten people. This is the main event, and I am your main man, Jermaine Parker, the host, creator of this podcast. Hey, if you're wondering. How do I subscribe? There's a couple of ways. You can go to iTunes or you can go to Google Play. You can hit the subscribe button there. And when you do, please leave her a feedback and uh, rate the show. Um, I'm not really sure what it does for me right now, but hey, just go ahead and do it. Let me know what you think of it. Hey, man, uh, every little bit counts. And I appreciate everyone for tuning in. You can also check me out on the website. That's www.themainevampodcast.com. You can subscribe there. If you hit the subscribe, uh, go to the subscribe page and uh, hit that subscribe button. Uh, every time a new episode comes out, you'll get an email sent out to you and stuff, so you won't have to worry about it. But uh, I did a little Twitter poll, and I kind of went on Instagram. I was asking people, hey, what do you like? You like Friday? You like Tuesday? What kind of day do you like for uh, me to put some content out? And uh, everybody said Friday. So, hey, man, it's Friday, and... Uh, the weekend's here, and we're going to get this in real quick. I wanted to kind of start off uh, light today on the podcast and then work our way into, you know, uh, some of the, the main events going on and stuff. Uh, I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. I, uh, I've been a sports fan all my life, and uh, I supported the Hornets for years. Uh, back when we had Larry Johnson, Grandma Ma, Muxie Bowes, uh, the original Curry, Dale, uh, Lonzo Morning. The list goes Rex Chapman, Les, uh, Kurt Rambis. The, the list goes on of uh, some of the amazing ball players that we've had actually come through. Uh, and even though we've never really, while the franchise was in Charlotte, at least kind of solved the playoff thing, I really enjoyed the franchise. You know, I support a big, huge Panthers fan. Uh, and honestly, I, I, I watch Panthers games a lot more than I watch, uh, Hornets games now. Um, but I'm still a supporter of the team, still consider myself a fan. And so I want to give a big shout-out to the Hornets for two things. Number one, Dwight Howard, uh, you are a beast, my friend. Uh, the other day, 32 points, 30 rebounds. I'm not sure if anybody was playing against Dwight. Dwight was just flexing that hard on people. That is a amazing, amazing amount of rebounds uh, to get in one contest. I want to say that the previous record was 25 for our franchise in one game, but yo, uh, big salute to big brother Dwight. And then, um, for whatever reason, the Hornets decided they won't have a 60 point win, uh, yesterday. Um, I don't know, it's the end of the season. I think they won 32 games. Um, in comparison, I think the Cavs won like 43 games. Uh, so hey, man, you're only 10 games behind the Cavs. Uh, but Toronto's up there with like 50 something games. Um, you know, it's just really good. Uh, to see Charlotte winning, they they actually started off the season really strong. Uh, I was really happy. I'm not, you know, sh- Charlotte would be the Panthers or Hornets. Man, I, I can't I can't say I'm always hyped up about some of their free agency moves and some of the things that they try to do through trades and stuff. And then like for the Hornets and stuff, they're horrible, horrible uh, with draft picks. And uh, I mean, not to the guys that are still there on and they've been drafted by the, by the Hornets, but uh, we we've we've allowed some some really good players. To go elsewhere, and I mean, it's hard. I mean, Mike Jordan wasn't the first overall player. A lot of people miss uh, Judge talent and stuff, and I'm I'm just hoping that you know we can kind of hit a home run on the basketball side. I think um, the Panthers have done a, a, a lot better with their drafting. Uh, you know, that's how we got uh, Luke Kinkley and uh, Cam. You know, two of our uh, stars of the team. But uh, yeah, shouts out to the Hornets, man. Y'all, you guys are really killing it. Um, 
and you know it is a is a fucked up transition uh tr- killing it we're gonna sit here and we're gonna talk about um what's going on in the nation man it's 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 sad what's going on out here right now i mean really it's just really really sad um you know last week on the podcast we were talking about the national walkout students were talking about uh violence and protesting violence and then we turn around not a good week after that and there's a shooting in maryland uh at a school um i think one of the important things that we can talk about with this was is that the uh the shooter um was confronted by a school resource officer and um he was uh he was stopped um unfortunately uh, I, I just read this not too long ago uh, the young lady who was really the target of that shooting um has passed away and uh, so we lost another child to uh, to to violence and stuff um i'm i'm going to I'm gonna I'm gonna delve into that on the back end of this conversation a little bit more. Um I do think that, you know, on the front end of it, what I wanna say is, hey, good job to the school resource officer. Um a lot of times we in this is one of the things that, you know, people were talking about and the issue for gun control was that there needed to be more armed security um there to help out. Um if you're talking about police officers, I'm all with you. Uh, I really am. Uh, some people uh, talk about we need to harm veterans and stuff. Hey, look, I'm a veteran myself, and I <laughs> so I've been in the military for 20 years, and I will let you in on a secret: uh, putting on a, a fatigues and stuff does not make you extraordinary. Especially talking about Air Force veterans. Now, I, I'm, I'm not going to speak for all the branches and stuff. I'm just going to say that there's a lot of soft people out there uh, who I don't trust with a gun. Um, in the military, um, because I'm a air crew member. I just had to qualify on nine millimeter. I, I hadn't shot a, uh, a M16 uh, since basic training um, because there's I fly on aircraft and stuff, and you know nine mil is uh, a much better uh, weapon to maneuver around on an aircraft. A lot of different things about that, but um, I had to qualify. At one point, it was every three years, and then it was every two years. Let's say it's every two years. Uh, so you spend 20 years in the military. You, if you've never shot a gun before, you don't shoot outside your training stuff. You shoot 10 times in 20 years. Doesn't make you an expert. Uh, shooting's expensive. That's kind of the whole thing about arming teachers or um, trying to get people qualified and stuff. Making people proficient in weapons is it a very expensive thing. There's range time. There's ammunition. There's a gun. I mean, there's there's a lot of it. And you just shooting that minimal amount of time, if you're not doing it outside of that, you're not very proficient with a weapon. You're familiar enough not to hurt yourself, probably. Maybe, hopefully. Hopefully that's what you are. But I wouldn't call you proficient. Um, but, you know, as the, as the talk goes on, we talk about how we're going to uh, protect our children and stuff. And, hey, like I said, I got two little girls. I'm very much uh, involved in that conversation about protection and stuff. And that's why we have school resource officers and stuff. And, you know, like I say, uh, Big up to my man. He uh, he did his job. You know, at the Parkland shooting, we uh, we found out later that there was a an officer there. And um, I'm, I'm going to say this. Uh, well, you know, anytime I talk about anything, you get like four or five different stories. Uh, consider it a value pack, if you will. Uh, I'll join in one. I kind of wrap it back up at the end. So I'm going to do that here, too. Um, I hate social media. Um, I do. Um, the only reason I'm on Facebook and really Facebook, uh, I can kind of stand 
like us Instagrams like pictures and um sure show me the bagel the amazing bagel you had today um but facebook is one of those things and this is before we found out that the um they gave up over 50 million users information and i kind of turned that against the country by basically digging up your information and figuring out what you feared the most and uh making campaigns and fake accounts and stuff out there uh, to kind of influence people and kind of stir up. But the the thing I say is the reason I, I don't really like Facebook is because a lot of people on Facebook put a lot of hate and divisive and ignorant stuff out there. You know, one of the things with this podcast that I wanted to do, and I, I've said it before, is that, you know, I wanted this to be an opportunity, a conversation where you listen to me, um, you know, the, the vehicle for the podcast um, is that, you can sit here and you can turn me on. You can listen to me on the way to work, on the way back. Uh, you're out in the garden. You're fixing the car. You're doing whatever stuff. And it's just an hour of your time. It's just this guy in the background. He's just babbling on. And he tells you a funny story. Uh, shout out to everybody that was rooting for me last week uh, with the girls in the van. I know, man. I wish it had turned out different, too, but it made a great story. Um, but when I look at Facebook and I look at some of the hateful, disturbing things I see on there and just from people that you're like, man, really, really? Like, why would you do that? Like, why would you say that? Like, that's nowhere close to being true. Like you could simply Google check, check that and every, you can't believe everything that's on the internet and every meme that you see. I don't think you should like a retweet just because I, I think that, you know, uh, there's a lot of people out there who I think are kind of decent human beings, but when they get on Facebook, man, you're demons, you're demons out there. But the thing I realized about this podcast is, is that, you know, I, I laugh and, you know, I, I got to donate and I, I thought about my I got $5. I'm still sitting on $5 for donations and stuff. So, you know, I'm not telling you to pick it up, just pick it up. Um, but, you know, no one sponsors me. So I can pretty much say whatever I want to say. Not that I'm particularly holding back. The only reason I hold back any is because my daughter likes to listen to my podcast for whatever reason. Um, so, <laughs> so I try to stay away from. No, she did not listen last week. Uh, I try to uh, try to be somewhat tame because I, I do realize that some of you guys, you have your kids around and stuff. You might have that on, and you know, Lord, we, it's, it's it's hard enough uh, to find time for the things that you need to do, much less some of the, you know extracurricular stuff. And you know, hey, I, you know, I try to curb my language a little bit. You know, I'm censor myself. A little bit, you know, uh, so you can have this plan and stuff uh, around your kids like I have a plan around my kids and stuff. But I know some of the topics and stuff might get a little wild and that might be a reason, but I, I, I try. But because I, I don't get any sponsorship and stuff, I can really say some, I can say some stuff. And it's not like I have got a, a cult following for this or anything. Uh, but some of you guys discuss me when I look at your, your accounts and stuff and some of the stuff that you retweet. Obviously, not all of you. It's probably only about seven percent of you that we're I'm friends with you on Facebook and uh I've had to unfollow or mute your mute your posts and stuff because they're just horrible. So we have this shooting in Maryland and stuff and the first thing I I see is how people are you know, and, I, and everything's politicized. It really is. And, you know, we keep talking about this over and over about gun control and stuff. And the the thing I'll say is is that hey, let's praise the hero and let's pray for the families. Let's let's consider that, and maybe that's maybe that's where we should leave it right now. Um, a lot of people are throwing out some negative stuff, you know. Um, 
on on it's on it's on both sides. But honestly, I only really see it coming really hard and fast from one side. And I think you know, as a citizen, as a law-abiding citizen, if somebody tells me that we're stepping up regulations and stuff. And it's going to be a little bit harder for you to get a gun, but it may make it a little bit safer for somebody else. Um, I don't have a problem with that because I don't care what background check you give me. I currently hold a secret clearance. I can get a gun. I'm, I'm pretty sure of it. Um, so, and there's just never been a case where I needed <laughs> a semi-automatic weapon like today. There's, there's just not been a case. So I think the two things can coexist. I think that you can have smarter, stricter gun regulation and still be Second Amendment. I really do. And if there's some people say, hey, well, you can't have, well, I mean, I can't have a tank either. And I really actually had an opportunity years ago um, down in Savannah, Georgia, uh, still uh, flying on C-5 cargo aircraft. And we uh, we went down there and did a what we call a load trainer where the Army brought out their, air, their uh, vehicles and stuff, put them on an airplane, and we... Tell them how to do tie down and restraint, and this is probably you know uh, over some people's heads. Some people be like, oh yeah, no, yeah. Um, and so, like we always do, we did one of those kind of things where we uh, did a little show and tell, and took the army guys upstairs, let them see the airplane, walk around and stuff. They're just like, hey, you want to see the tank? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> one of my best things in the military got to sit in the Abrams tank, and I thought it was awesome. And the guy was like, do you want to drive it? Yes, 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 I do. I do want to drive your tank. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of people, you know, if you, so if you gave me the option today, hey, would you like to have a, I would have an Abrams sitting outside and I'd be watching that thing like it was a truck. Um, I, I think you can, you can, you can love more than one thing. I think you can, you can love your freedom and you can also love and understand that there's some certain things that you're not allowed to do or maybe shouldn't be done. Um, and that kind of rolls me into uh, another big thing for the week was the uh, the bomber down in Austin, Texas. Uh, he was standing off with police and he blew himself up. They found a, a confession where he basically gave enough details that they knew it was him that actually did the bombings and stuff. And uh, he killed a 17-year-old, he killed a uh, wounded they, 70 year old woman i mean killed 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 a couple people uh wounded some other people um and so what kind of disturbed me about that besides the fact that um i didn't think that it was there was a there was a bomber and on u.s soul and i just didn't feel like the the attention and, and i don't know you know there's a lot of things to cover in the news and i pick and choose uh, about what I talk about on my podcast, and so I, you know, and you know, this is without sponsorship and people telling me it's just kind of what I want to do. So I can understand that you know, uh, news media is not always going to give coverage to the things that you think are the most important. They're going to do what they think is uh, best, and uh, you can't cover everything. But I just kind of thought that was a big deal. In fact, um, you know, the first uh, person that was killed by the bombs, they actually blamed it on him, the police said that he was constructing this explosive device and he must have um, misstepped and he killed himself. And that was a horrible, he didn't have any bomb-making material. There was nothing to justify that conclusion. But that's what they left their, the, that man's family with um, to contend with. So, you know, that affects uh, insurance and other kind of things that go along with that because the police have said that, you know, hey, your, your loved one killed themselves. Um, 
and to find out that no, he didn't. He was targeted. Um, you know, I, yeah, how, do, how do you go back and fix that? Um, it's just it's heartbreaking to see, especially because the bomber was targeting minorities, uh, black and Hispanic families. That's what he was targeting. And it kind of goes back to my dislike of Facebook and some other social media where people are out there and they're spreading this hate. They got this hate mongering thing going on. And a lot of people like, well, you know, if (laughs) a lot of people think if they don't put robes on and they don't attend a Klan meeting, they are not racist or they're not spitting racist stuff. And I'm here to tell you that's not true. Um, A lot of people are joining in on conversations that we things we don't need to talk about. I had a friend of mine who I really like. We've been friends for years and I go on Facebook and he's got a meme out there and you're like, yeah, so what? He's got a meme. Well, it was, um, tasteless. It's the best way I can say it. So it reads, so another package, uh, bomb went off down south. I just want to check. Are we blaming a person or the packages asking for a friend? First reply. I call for an immediate ban of all assault packages. Second reply. I don't know. No more FedEx packages. We need to ban. Yeah, blame UPS. Then we can ban all the brown salt box vans and school teachers can take our kids out of school when you have a brown van park in. Now, obviously, this is uh, trying to relate back to gun violence and the walkouts that we we're talking about with the students and stuff and gun rights and stuff. Um, I'll tell you this, and this is actually what I wrote. I said, I think we're blaming a 24 year old white male who committed domestic terrorism against minorities. He killed innocent people and spread fear throughout the community. Oh, yeah, but this is somehow related to gun control, so I guess this uh, tone-deaf joke is funny. Carry on. It's not funny. It's very tone-deaf. There were people that lost their uh, their family members to this guy, and the first thing that you want to do is somehow relate this to gun control. And, you know, of course, I got some replies back on it and, uh, from some guys I know. One, one guy was like, well, if it had been an AK, and I was like, but it wasn't. A lot of people want to play the if and and game. Well, what if? Well, and how do you expect me to respond to a hypothetical when there's an actual thing going on? How do you expect to have an intelligent conversation when the first thing that you do is take two different things, surmise that we don't react to them the same way, and then be like, oh, see, that's what I'm talking about. You know, I was I was telling one of the guys, I said, hey, man, you know, so... um I've I've uh, I've served for a while and I've uh, had the uh, not so much pleasure of <laughs> hanging out in Iraq and Afghanistan with some people who did not like us for whatever reasons. <laughs> Let you call your own conclusion why they didn't like us, but um, and they would shoot at our aircraft. Well, depending on what kind of threat was depending on how we reacted. So not every threat, and even if it was the same threat from a different direction. There was a different reaction. So if you're talking about that, there's somebody that comes to you with a gun versus somebody who comes to you with bare hands versus someone that comes at you with a boss cutter or knives uh, or someone that comes at you with a tennis uh, racket, you're not going to react to that person the same way. Well, I, I would hope that you wouldn't. I would hope that you wouldn't sit there and murder someone because they came after you with a tennis racket. You know, you're going to pull your gun on well, every time I'm pulling your gun. That doesn't sound right, does it? It doesn't sound like a logical thing to do 
You know, how scared are you in your life? And that's my other thing, too, is that there are a lot of people out there uh, who want to talk about the officer in Parkland and his inability to act and stuff. And I'm going to tell you this. Most of you guys, uh, most of you guys are some pussies um, because you've never been in a fight. Never. You never knuckled up before. And then the other part of you that have been in a fight, you got your ass whooped. Uh, because that's how it works. One person wins and one person loses. So by definition, half you got your ass whooped. Um, you're not MA fighters. You're not tough guys and stuff. And, and, and partly that's why a lot of people want to have guns and stuff because you know, man to man, you can't knuckle up. Now, I'll tell you right now, I can still fight. Uh, if you want to meet somewhere, I can whoop your ass for you and let you know, but you don't want to pull a gun on me. Because um, <laughs> I'm not going to let up on you. A lot of you guys sit behind keyboards and stuff, and you like to talk so much shit. If I was there, I would do this and stuff like that. Nah, I've seen grown men run uh, from violence and stuff. I've seen it before. Uh, your heart pumps Kool-Aid. There, there's a lot of people out there who sit behind keyboards on social media and stuff. You're paper lines. You are paper lines. You know, you feel comfortable in your office or in your car talking junk and stuff. But if I rolled up on you, you wouldn't say nothing to me. All that stuff that you're talking, you wouldn't talk that stuff to my face. It's disheartening to see people like that because, you know, and I'm, I'm going to tell you this. You know, a lot of those, a lot of the people out there I see putting out these memes and saying all this ugly and hateful stuff. I'm thinking to myself, is it because you used to get beat up in high school? Is that what it is? Because I've seen some of you guys, and, and I know you got your butt whoops. I know it. I can just look at you. I can tell. And for you to be disingenuous by now, 20, 30 years later, coming back, well, you know, what I would do is, you know, if there was a shooter, I'd shoot. Nah, you wouldn't. You go lay your pussy ass down somewhere and hide. So stop playing. Stop telling people this stuff. Stop going on social media and, and, <laughs> And trying to spread the wrong thing. If you want to talk about Austin, talk about the victims. Talk about the brave police officers who stood down the bomber and were able to get some some good luck and some clues and stuff and able to identify this guy and stop him. And and stop trying to draw this um, false equivalence between things. You know, somebody's like, we're going to have stricter uh, rules on bombs. Well, we'll, we'll, we do. That's the reason that the bomber took several weeks to kill a couple people and a 17-year-old walked in and killed multiple people within minutes. That's actually kind of the point. You know, so if you're sitting there trying to do that, stop. Prayers for the family. Prayers for Austin. Prayers for Maryland. Prayers for Sacramento. You know, as we're sitting here talking about paper lines and stuff, you know, I'll say this. You know, just kind of like, you know, I was kind of bagging on some of the guys in the military and stuff. And let me say, I have nothing to respect for my brothers and stuff. I'm just telling you that every profession holds people in it that don't really, that you, and you can, I don't care where you work or what job you're in. I'm sure there's somebody at your job you think, number one, how did they get this job? And number two, how are they keeping this job? That's no different whether you're talking about the airlines, you're talking about uh, tech, you're talking about healthcare. You're talking about any kind of uh, service uh, jobs and stuff. And it's no different for the military or the police. We have our bad eggs, too. Luckily for us in the military, we try to identify and weed those guys out. And we admit to ourselves that that's what's going on. Um, I remember years and years ago, we had some uh, Marines that were in Japan. And they raped a young 
uh, girl, and they, they I mean, it's all kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's front page news stuff when it happens with um, guys in uniform. They did this and bad behavior and stuff, and that's why image is a really big thing with the military, and we're, we're really harped on. You know, you don't just do the part; you look the part, uh, and you live the part. Uh, and if you don't want to, you need to get out because. Uh, one person in uniform can ruin the reputation of everybody in uniform. And we recognize that. And we're kind of hard on each other in that way. And that if you're not doing what you need to be doing, you know, it used to be years ago that you could have multiple strikes. Man, it's not that way anymore. You don't get uh, a lot of strikes in the military anymore. You mess up, especially if you mess up in a public way, you are done. Military doesn't want anything to do with you. Because we're entrusted with small things like, I don't know, bombs and nukes. And we got to have public confidence. The public must be confident that we only retain and maintain the people with the most professional um, abilities and stuff. And you got to have that. Anytime that you're uh, given a position, there's a responsibility within that. And so the, the military does a really great job, at least from my, my lens, um, does a great job of making sure that uh, the people that we allow to carry on a uniform aren't, you know, killers, abusers. You know, there's been a really big push in the last several years when we're talking about uh, sexual assault and stuff like that. You know, lots and lots of time spent talking about that and making sure that we have a, a zero tolerance uh, about those kind of things. Like, you know, you can't like you can't survive that kind of stuff in the military. Our police officers, however, they, they don't because they're not organized nationally. Um, they may be sheriffs, they may be police officers, they may be state police, they may, you know, and let me start before I dig in too deep is that I completely respect police officers and the, and the difficult job that they have to do. I really do. Um, it's hard. And I think at the end of the day, everybody just wants to go home with their family. At the end of the day, that's, that's, that's the number one thing. No one ever puts a uniform on and goes, you know what, I don't want to go home tonight. And I think a lot of people are insensitive against social media and stuff when they talk about police officers and they're like, well, you signed up for that. No one really signs up <laughs> to die. No, no one does that. No one goes, you know what, I hope somebody hits me in the head today and take, you know, nah, that's not what they sign up for. Um, because I've heard that, um, in relation to soldiers and police officers and other public, it's, that's silly. Uh, you guys are idiots uh, for saying that. Not, and, and 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 if you're listening to this, you're probably not an idiot, but um, you probably know one. Um, but those guys are idiots that that say that kind of stuff. It's, it's preposterous. Um, I think the the problem is is that the uh, fraternity of, uh, of police officers covers up their bad apples and won't acknowledge that there's some people who either shouldn't have got the job or shouldn't still have the job. Um, and it's just like us. If uh, I'm sent somewhere and I can't perform, then what am I doing? If I'm, if, if, in, 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 you know, again, the officer that was at Parkland, he could have done the same thing that the resource officer in Maryland did. He could have confronted the shooter. It might not have been so bad. He'd have been a hero. I think he just wanted to go home that night. I think he, heard, he, he kind of understood that he was underarmed and uh, he didn't want to confront without some backup. And that decision cost some people their lives. Um, and you guys and, and some guys on social media and even our president wants to call him a coward and stuff like that. And I'm just telling you, there's a lot of paper lines out there. A lot of them, including the people that bag on him because you don't know. There's some things 
you just don't know until it's too late. You don't know how you're going to react in a certain situation. And a lot of you would like to think that you're going to react one way and you actually come out acting another way. I just, I, I just think that the empathy of our nation is depleting and we're not able to see into people's situations and understand that. But if you, if you know that to be true about yourself, then I would say, hey, man, you need to remove yourself from that situation. If you're so scared of things that the first thing that you want to do is shoot people uh, because you fear for your life, man, <laughs> you're probably in the wrong profession. You know, um, I work around, uh, I work on aircraft and uh, perform airdrop where we stand in the doors of, um, stand in open doors of aircraft uh, in flight and either throw people or things out. And, you know, if I froze up in the door, then that's not the job for me. If you fear for your life every time you see somebody uh, or you get into a situation, man, that's probably not the job for you. Um, Stephen Clark was killed in Sacramento, standing in his own backyard, minding his business. And all he had on him was a cell phone. Cop shot him 20 times. What do you do with that? What do you do with that information? How do you process that? You know, in Sacramento and um, actually um, live recently lived out in Sacramento for the last two years and, uh, before coming back to Charlotte. And, uh, you know, Sacramento kind of remi- reminds me of Charlotte. Um, more sunshine, better sunshine, maybe. Uh, less humidity, definitely. And uh, so, you know, I kind of feel for the community and stuff. What do you do? You know, there will be people out there who uh, who criticize the response to it, but won't ever address what was going on. Like, how does that happen? How does that make you feel safe? I'm in my backyard. And there have been countless times of people who have been shot by police officers who probably didn't need a gun um, because they feared for their lives. And there was nothing for them to fear. And, but it happens over and over and over again. And it's a conversation that, you know, we, there's a lot of uncomfortable conversations out there. Um, and if you're one of those people that goes, you know, I, I just don't want to have it. I just don't want to have this conversation and stuff. You know, if you have kids, <laughs> you got to talk about sex. You got to talk about drugs. Uh, I was actually talking to my eight and seven year old today about credit and what's what are good things to buy with credit cards and what are not good things to buy with credit cards because it's never too early to start talking about money. It's never too early to start addressing these issues and stuff, even if they're uncomfortable or as my eight year old told me, extremely boring. Um, that's not the point. The point is, is that these conversations need to be had. So the conversation that we, we have to look at is how does a young man stand in his backyard and get shot 20 times? And the thing is, you can go, well, he most night didn't. Well, I just saw, I just saw the, uh, and you can go look, uh, I just saw the, uh, the, the footage. Um, and luckily, uh, Sacramento police actually do have, uh, the cameras on the cops and stuff. They shot him 20 times and asked to see his hands. Dude's dead. Didn't do anything. There was some, I don't know if they were doing graffiti, but the police helicopter basically used a FLIR system and said, hey, we think there's a guy down here uh, that the police had been dispatched for, but it was a misdemeanor crime at best. It wasn't a violent crime. So why are you walking around in people's backyards with gun drawn? You're looking for a graffiti artist or somebody doing vandalism or whatever stuff. It, it just doesn't add up. And the cover up that happens within departments and stuff, it doesn't when you're again entrusted with public safety and stuff and you're given special authority that the public doesn't have because of that, that's a responsibility you have to answer. 
you know, like I said, just like in the military, you know, you, you can't cover that stuff up. You got to say, hey, what's going on with this? You know, in a another case in Milwaukee, there was a woman from Australia that was uh, shot by a police officer and uh, they just charged him with murder. Now, a lot of people would like to get into the fact that uh, she was a white woman and he was Muslim. Um, and that's probably why he's getting charged and he's not being protected by the brotherhood. I don't know. I mean, you guys draw your own conclusions. Of all the police officers that have ever been uh, accused of any kind of wrongdoing, the first one in years is happens to be Muslim, and he shot a white woman. You know, and you turn around and be like, hey, well, I think you're trying to be this divisive with that comment. No, I'm actually just that's just that's it. You you draw your own conclusions on that. I'm just telling you that he should be held accountable. For what he did. And a lot of people say, well, no, because no, he should, because he was actually sitting in the passenger seat. She didn't have a weapon. He, he didn't need to shoot her. There was nothing threatening about this woman, just like there was nothing threatening about Stephen Clark. But they all have to be held to the same accountability and the same standards and stuff. Um, and that's why it's important that we uh, we vote, not just in national elections. I always tell people the most important elections you can do are your local elections. Uh, that's where your judges, um, that's where your DAs, uh, that's where your, your city council, uh, those are the guys that increase or decrease your property tax. Those are the guys that take the money out of your pocket first. They are. Um, a lot of people, even in Charlotte, like to um, come out for the mayor's race. The mayor in Charlotte is a part-time job. The city council makes all the decisions. He's got a tie, or she currently, um, only has a tiebreaker vote. They just carry the big scissors. <laughs> that's, the, that's the office of the mayor in Charlotte is to carry the big scissors and uh, kind of be the face of the city but uh, the important decisions are made on city council so when we're looking at how do we improve things and how do we move forward and what's our leadership lesson is that you know we organize locally and we concentrate on our local issues and when we can't solve it locally that's when we go to the state and that's when we go federal and uh, getting our, <clears throat> our, our representatives um, on the federal le- uh, level to listen to us and we show them where we've been working and we've, we've got this ground movement and this is what, because that's their job. Their job is to listen to um, the people that vote for them, the people that they represent. And so we, you, when you start on a local level, I think that the momentum build uh, moving to a federal level is a lot easier um, because by the time you get there, you already got people. You don't show one guy knocking on the door going, I'm, I'll come back with somebody else. You show it with everybody else. Um, and saying, hey, we're, we're trying to get this stuff moved, and this this particular item is a federal thing. Uh, police reform is a local thing uh, because we we authorize our police on a local level, uh, whether it be a sheriff or you know in, in the city of Charlotte, you know we've got city police and we've got county police, um, but you know we elect uh, the people that govern uh, and make laws and stuff. And uh, Philadelphia, uh, the DA there just released a uh, report for all his DAs and stuff. And it was amazing, basically um, a reform on the way that he wants to do business there in the city when it comes to crime and conviction and stuff. There are a lot of good things going on out there in the world. And, um, you know, I, I just really hope that as we get into um, the rest of 2018, that we can kind of get away from a lot of the hate-filled rhetoric and stuff that's going on out there, um, that when we have tragedy, 
we remember that there are actual human beings involved and we focus towards the people and we don't necessarily have to take things up. You know, obviously if we're talking about somebody came in with a bomb and did some stuff, if we want to talk about issues about bomb control or, uh, you know, looking for the signs and that kind of stuff or suspicious, you know, we can do that. We can make this, we can make this whatever we want it to be. We really can. I think one of the, the, the biggest things that people don't understand is, is that this divisive talk that's being spread out there is for a reason. It is because if we were all unified in our voice, we have the power. As long as we're separated and we can't, um, we, we can't come together and, um, consolidate our opinions and our voice and stuff. That's how our representatives are are able to get away with so much stuff. It's just true. It's, that's the reason they're able to get away with doing whatever because, well, I just listened to this faction over here and, you know, I know that this faction over here said this, you know, we need to stop being factions and we need to start being family. Um, and that's through leadership, you know, where we, where we look for the things that make us similar and stop so much trying to look for the things that make us dissimilar. Like I said earlier, you can be a patriot and uh, vote for uh, better gun laws. Um, I know one of the things that people say, the thing that just happened in Maryland, he was a 17-year-old. 17-year-olds are allowed to have guns. Maryland has strict gun laws and stuff. He got his father's gun. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that people that want to do bad things aren't going to try to do them. I mean, that that's what happens, right? I mean, you lock your doors and somebody breaks your locks to get in and get your stuff. Um, but the, you don't just keep your stuff unlocked. You, I mean, there's a deterrent there. I bet if I went to your house right now, the doors aren't just wide open. You have some deterrent. You probably may have a security system. You might have some uh, some home protection. Uh, you got a dog. There are deterrents out there, and that's all we're trying to say is that there there needs to be some deterrence in life, and there needs to be um, less talk, less hate talk, and demonizing people. You know, it's easy to get caught up in situations and things turn bad. So for my my story for the week, when um when I first joined the Air Force, um. I was actually sent all to a couple different places for my training. One of them was Altus, Oklahoma. And if you've never been to Altus, Oklahoma, don't. Don't go. Uh, I even hesitate to tell you to even Google it. Um, <laughs> I, I don't want to say it's, it's Friday in Charlotte. It's sunny and stuff. Uh, it's going to be like 60 degrees. Don't go depressing yourself. Uh, Trying to look up, uh, look that up. Um, but the, the, when I got there, um, I was actually, I met this guy, a uh, real cool cat, and um, he was actually uh, trying to date this winging lady, but then he met her friend, and uh, he thought that she was better looking, so he brought me along as a wingman, and uh, so he could, uh, I could occupy the girl he tried to initially uh, contact with. He had never done it, didn't kiss or anything like that, but... Um, but he, he was successful and he started talking to a friend and well, I ended up start talking to her. I was there for a couple of months. So we dated for a little bit and, um, uh, I, I was really, it was like my last school before I got to come back home. I've been gone for several months with my basic training and some other training I had to do. And this was my last school when I, when I got to come home for a little bit and then I was going to be shipped off, um, up to Delaware. But, um, it kind of snuck up on me, my graduation and, uh, I remember studying for my tests and stuff, and I passed. And as soon as I passed, I went down to the TMO office, uh, and that's where we got our tickets, our plane tickets and stuff. And I said, two days from now, 
you were headed back to North Carolina, and I was ecstatic. And uh, so that's all I cared about. And the uh, the uh, the woman I was dating, she was actually from that area. She's from Altus. Um, she had actually spent some time in the army. Um, she was a uh, she's military police. Um, she's actually one of the first tall women. I'm six four, and um, I know my mom said, "I think you got a thing for short women." I said, "No, nah, I just gonna find any tall women." But she was one of the first uh, women I ever talked to who was actually she was six foot. Um, she was not a small girl. Um, she was she was not petite. Um, and this factors in in a couple minutes. Um, so. I come back and I'm like, hey, I'm leaving. I'm out of here. It's been good. Hey, will you give me a ride to the airport? Because Lawton, Oklahoma is where the airport was, which was like uh, back then it was like a $65 uh, cab ride. And I, 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 I know that because I had to pay it. Um, but she had a car and stuff. So I was like, hey, will you take me to the airport? Save me some money on cab ride stuff. And, you know, I'm off for the next two days. You know, let's just hang out and have a good time. And everything was good. Day one, you know, was good. And even part of the uh, second day, I was like, say I was leaving on a Saturday, so Friday, uh, Friday to about 10 o'clock, uh, things were doing great and stuff. And around that time, we were actually visiting over at her friend's house and stuff, and she started kind of making some bitchy remarks, just being kind of, you know, kind of slick with the mouth. And I was like, mm, whatever, you know, we left and we went back to, went back on base to uh, my place and, um, you know, she's kind of having a little attitude, and honestly, I'm you know I'm 20 years old, and I'm thinking to myself, well, I mean, you can have attitude all you want to. It doesn't matter because in a couple of hours, I'm hopping on an airplane, and I am out of here. And uh, so I remember laying down in the bed, and she laid down in the bed with me, and um, she started like pushing on me and stuff like that, and kind of hit me and whatever, like yo, you know. And I can't remember what the conversation was about, or how you know how that kind of got up and I was like, and, uh, anybody's ever been, uh, in the military, you know, in, uh, all their rooms, they have a big chair in the room. So I got up and I went and sat in the big chair. I was like, Hey, look, you can have the bed. I didn't want the bed, but I do want to get some sleep. You know, big day tomorrow, big day in the morning. Got to go. And, uh, so I went and sat in the big chair and I was going to go sleep in the big chair. And she got up and she, she gets in, she gets on top of the chair and she's messing with me and stuff and, you know, pushing and, and hitting it, I'm like, yo, I'm, you know, I'm trying to, you know, get that arm check, you know, you know, just trying to, you know, I don't know if you ever, again, people haven't been in a fight, I'll, I'll let you know. Uh, it's a lot harder, um, in my opinion, you spend more energy trying not to hurt somebody than just hurting them. Uh, trying to hold people off instead of just wrapping them up and, um, and doing what you need to do to, uh, to get them down a lot more energy than just, you know, constantly trying to get somebody up off of you. And so I'm doing that and stuff. And um, we, at one point, we so we get up out of the chair and, you know, we're kind of tussling a little bit because I'm kind of, you know, trying to keep her off of me. And um, she uh, she slapped me. And um, I'd like to point back to early in the story when I said this would be important. Um, so she was not a petite woman. She was actually ex-military police in the Army. She was six foot tall. And she probably weighed a good 180 maybe even 200 pounds uh so when i say she slapped me she did not love tap me uh she slapped the fucking taste out of my mouth uh she brought a tear to my eye um not because of how beautiful it was but because of how fucking heavy-handed she was she slapped the shit out of me 
And when I was able <laughs> to get my head turned back around from the other direction that she slapped it into, I grabbed her by the collar and I raised my hand to this woman. And she looked at me and she said to me the words I'll never forget. She said, hit me, hit me. I want you to hit me. You're not going anywhere. And I heard a woman screech. Ah! And I looked around. It was me. I was the, I was the woman. Um, <laughs> because I realized at that point that she had set up this confrontation uh, so I could be physical with her. And that she was going to like call the cops or something like that and get me in trouble. I, uh, I grabbed my keys. I grabbed my wallet, my plane ticket. I left all my clothes and stuff in there, and I went down to my um, boy's room. I knocked on the door and hopped in there with him and uh, told him, this is crazy bitch. It's me. She's trying to give me life. I'm trying to leave. And um, so I actually stayed down there with him. Um, about 6 o'clock in the morning, I went back down to my room, expecting it to be all torn up. And she was gone and stuff. So I went in there, grabbed my stuff, uh, called a cab, $65, <laughs> and uh, went to the airport. And, uh, so, uh, I, I, I tell the story because, uh, I'm laughing about it now. Uh, uh, and there's a part two and a part three for the story. And I, I think I'm probably gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold off on telling the whole story. Uh, we'll just end that story with, you know, I went to the airport and I was able to get home. Um, but the reason I dive into that story is, is that when we, Wrap back into the first story that we got into with the Maryland shooter. He actually knew his victim. They dated. They just broke up. And uh, they, uh, they were trying to report him as a heartbroken teenager. Um, and I'm here to let you know that that is bullshit. It's absolutely bullshit. Uh, that was completely and utterly domestic violence. Um, and you can't report it any other way. You know, it's the same way that with the Austin bomber, uh, they want to talk about he was a challenged young man. No, he was a domestic terrorist. Uh, he, he meets all the criteria of terrorism. He was down to, I was using bombs and I was targeting people, uh, uh, creating fear in the community. Um, it's important that we look at these things and we talk about these things. And so one of the things that we, that doesn't get said, is that a lot of times in domestic violence, men are actually victims. You know, I I didn't really think about it until later on, but that's that's what actually happened to me in that situation. I was a, was a victim of domestic violence. Um, this woman took it upon herself because she was upset because I was leaving, and uh, I I pretty much had a carefree I don't give a fuck attitude about it too. And I was young, I wasn't really thinking about her feelings and stuff like that. Um, but I, you know, my my main event for this week is domestic violence and particularly uh, the silent um, minority of domestic violence is domestic violence gets men. You know, I think if, you, if you've if you been here for uh, the first couple of podcasts, the one of the things I talk about that I'm, I'm divorced and stuff. And the main reason that I'm divorced is because of domestic violence. Now, this isn't to take shots at my ex. Um, this isn't to um, try to... Uh, justify what happened in our relationship. I'm just being honest and, and stating the facts. And what what happens is that a lot of people aren't willing to talk about it. I wasn't willing to talk about it. I tell people all the time, now, if you're a grown man, I'll meet you in the streets and stuff, but I'm from the South. I don't put my hands on women. Or at least I try not to, you know, have to defend myself uh, against attacks and stuff like that. But it's hard. And I think a lot of people 
find themselves because I talk to other guys, you kind of find yourself in these situations and stuff where you're being attacked. And just the way that with women, there's no good reason to hit a woman. There's no good reason to hit a man. There's no good reason. And the reason I talk about it is like when I look at my kids and stuff like that, I don't want my daughters to grow up thinking it's okay uh, to hit uh, a man because there are a lot of men out there who were not raised in the South and who do not believe in not hitting women. And I don't want them to be victims, uh, real victims of domestic violence because they thought it was a good idea to put their hands on somebody because you were upset. Look, I'm telling you, I, I don't really care what the reason is, uh, especially from a male point of view. Um, I don't care if I was cheating on you with your mama. You can't put your hands on me. I don't care if I took all your tax money. I thought we, I was going to flip it for you. You can't put your hands on me. There's not a good reason. If you can tell me where's a good reason to hit a man, I can probably tell you where's a good reason to hit a woman. And there's not a good reason to hit a woman. You know, we don't talk about it. You know, uh, number one, like in my marriage, it's embarrassing. I'm I'm a big dude. I'm in the military and stuff, and I got this woman jumping on me. Um, she's just not physically abusive. She's verbally abusive too. Um, but you know, what do you say? What do you do? And that's the reason a lot of domestic violence, either male or female, is not really reported. But especially in men, because number one, the resources out there are are, are kind of limited, uh, depending on where you are. Um, we tend to uh, focus the narrative towards um, females being the victims and males being the abusers. But if you really were getting some numbers and stuff, and I actually uh, took a lot of time and, um, and went through and looked up some numbers, and I got to tell you, they were boring to shit. And I, I, uh, I was going to actually include uh, a video and let you guys listen to some stuff. But, I mean, I, I, I figured um, if, if you're listening, then you know. You know there's some, you had a girlfriend, and we, and we, we put it in such a light that it's okay for women to abuse men. Um, I talked about earlier with the Air Force and stuff and the military in general, we talked about sexual assault and assault on females and stuff. Um, we spent a lot of time on that. We didn't really spent a lot of time. They spent a lot of money on that. They really spent a lot of time on assault, period. It's just never okay to put your hands on people. Um, but, you know, as somebody who's lived through that, and I consider myself a survivor of that because, you know, what ended my marriage was a weapon was injured. And finally, because it never gets any better. And so, um, that, that's what I would tell you is that, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter if you're with somebody and they decided they put the hand, they want to put their hands on you. They can't turn around and tell you that they love you. That's, they don't, they absolutely do not. And be, and get yourself out of that relationship. It's some, some advice that, um, I wish that somebody had given me early because it never got any better. It, it, it still ended up as not being together. Um, you know, the, 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 the first time is always, well, you did this to me and you angered me. It's the same thing that men say, uh, same thing that women hear on the, the other side of it. But, uh, with female domestic violence where they're the perpetrators and stuff, it's always like, you know, kind of like we cheer and stuff like that. You know, somebody, uh, was talking about like Solange and Jay Z. And the first thing that everybody said was, what did Jay Z do to make her so mad? Really? What did Jay-Z do that made this woman jump on him? Because you can see the video. He doesn't hit her. She jumps on him, kicks him, everything else. What did he do? A lot of time we get into victim blaming, um, especially when it comes to certain demographics. Um, and being in domestic violence, we get blamed for why did this woman do this? I called the cops. Uh, and, the, and when the cops showed up to, showed up to my house, showed up to 
talked to me the first thing said, would you do? Well, thank you, officer. Um, <laughs> that how you treat all your victims. I called you. I didn't do anything. Um, and like I say, it only gets worse. You know, at the very end, the very last instance, what I say was the last time was, um, when I had a knife pulled on me and, you know, it, you know, after everything's cooled down, I was going to use that knife on you. You know how many women murder men in domestic violence? You know, they had a, uh, one of the numbers I looked at and, uh, you'll forgive me for not being able to call it a correct year for this study, but it was like, they had a reported 1.3 million women reported for domestic violence who had been victims of domestic violence. And on that same report, there were, 835,000 men who have been in it. So you, the numbers are there. It happens. Um, what I would say uh, for this podcast, I hate to, you know, kind of be like on a dreary note for the podcast and shit, but uh, what I would say is, is that there are resources out there. Uh, don't be afraid to stand up, man or man or woman, and that situation and stuff. Um, you know, I... <laughs> I, you know, I, some, some people I really care about and I think really care about me, uh, when I would tell them stuff that happened to me. And even when I had a knife pulled on me, uh, I had one of my friends said, you're not really scared of her. You, you're bigger than her. You could easily beat her. Well, number one, <laughs> I'm from the South and I'm not trying to beat women. And, uh, number two, I'm afraid of anybody with a weapon. Uh, just like, yeah, I would be if somebody in the backyard with a cell phone, I guess. Uh, but, you have to uh, shake off the embarrassment of that and really get to the point where you can say, hey, look, um, there's no good place for violence. If somebody's being violent or you to put their hands on you or whatever and stuff, if they're talking to you uh, and being um, verbally abusive, I, I urge today that there's there's the uh, national hotline for uh, for domestic violence, uh, but just to separate yourself from those situations. I know a lot of times it looks like, you know, you're, you're tied to people and I, I'm telling you that you're, you're not, uh, whether it means that you got to go live with somebody else for a while, uh, because, uh, you feel financially tied to somebody or somebody's financially dependent upon you. Um, it's not the truth. The only responsibility you have is to yourself and making sure that you leave, live a clean life and that uh, you can have um, no regrets at the end of the day because you didn't allow yourself to be um, a statistic out there um, and not just, you know, being hit or bid or, or slapped and stuff or talked rough to that you didn't allow somebody to take it too far because, like I say, it only gets worse. It only gets worse. Hey, um, thank you for tuning in. Um, I... I was telling somebody, I said, you know, I originally said I was going to stick to like 45 minutes, but man, I like to talk and I kind of want to talk as long as I need to, especially if um, we start getting guests on and stuff. I don't want to cut anybody off. And so um, if you're looking for the main event, man, look for about an hour now uh, because, man, I'm just, man, 30 minutes, I'm just getting warmed up. I need, uh, (laughs) I need, uh, I need lots more time. Uh, cause like last week, I kind of felt like I, uh, I got stifled and I looked at the time and I was like, man, um, this thing's going too long. But, uh, as you can see on this episode, clearly over an hour, uh, clearly a lot of personal stuff at the end. Uh, thanks for listening. Hey, look, I, I look for your, your feedback and your comments and stuff. Um, 
again, uh, www.themainEventPodcast.com. I got comment sections there if you want to tell me a story, uh, if you want to leave comments about today's episode and uh, some of the things we talked about. Um, please do. You can hit me up on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Uh, you guys really should follow me on Twitter. Uh, I am a little bit hilarious on some days. Uh, I'm not over the top with any of my social media. Um, you know, I'll put out ads and tags for like this episode and stuff, but um, I'm not going to overwhelm your timelines uh, with too much stuff. If I if I put it out there, I thought it was really funny. I wanted to share. I mean, well, I guess just like you, um, <laughs> but uh, not a lot of uh, useless stuff. But yeah, hey, thank you so much for your support. Thank you for continuing to tune in. Um, like I said, if you're having a problem finding it, the website, uh, iTunes, uh, Google Play, um, still trying to figure out my subscriptions for Stitcher and um, some other stuff out there. I really appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much for your support. I love you guys. I can't wait to talk to you next week. I expect the main event out on uh, every Friday. And uh, we'll recap the week and uh, we'll get into it. Until then, 